Hello, my name is Jay McFarlane, and I want to welcome you into another edition of SAS Whispers. Today, I'm very excited to introduce you to Kenneth Corvo. He is the global CIO of Omnicom Media Group. We'll have a great discussion about how he got into IT, what are some of his biggest challenges that they face right now, and then we'll talk about SaaS and how he feels about the future of SaaS and how important it is to his organization and the process of SaaS governance. Well, thank you for joining us. I always like to start out by asking the question, what did you want to be when you grow up and how did you end up where you're at now? So I think it was early on. I wasn't sure if I wanted to be an ad man, you know, uh, you know, big on uh, in Madison Avenue, or I was going to be a computer programmer. Um, so in the very early days, I went, went back and forth and I was fortunate. I actually ended up marrying both of my passions. I've been uh, a CIO for an advertising agency for over 30 years. Uh, and in New York City and one of the world's largest ad agencies. So uh, I've been fortunate to marry both technology and advertising. Well, that that's a kind of an interesting path to go. Um, and so yeah, as far as your journey and, and how far you've come, are you where you want to land or do you still have goals like directions that you want to head? Yeah, so... I moved down to New York City in the mid-90s, and uh, New York was a, a kind of a scary place back then. It's cleaned up a lot um, since that point. And when I first moved down, I was an email administrator uh, back in the days when people had no idea what email was. So I started teaching people how to use email. <laughs> uh, and so my career pro progressed from being the email administrator and, and teacher to the global CIO. So it's been uh, quite a journey at the organization. Uh, and as uh, Omnicom being a big company, they had a number of different divisions. So I was also fortunate enough to move from creative to digital and different parts of the, uh, the organization and company. So, you know, if I look back over the last several years, uh, the use of technology has really become forefront in the organization. And I think that's what excites me today in the in the space, in the technology space. Uh, in the early days, it was in the back office and, you know, how you would use it as a tool, um, which was great. Uh, but I've always advocated for technology being part of the business. And today you almost cannot have a conversation you know, in the organization that technology doesn't come up in some way, shape or form, whether it's a piece of software um, that, you know, is driving something that's going on in the group or the division. It's a bit of data. Um, it's an application um, that is assisting in collaboration um, or really looking at workflow, which is something we're doing more often now. And how can you automate pieces of that workflow? Um, so, you know, it's really interesting to see where technology has gone from this back end sort of piece to really being such forefront. And I would say most companies to a degree consider themselves a, you know, a technology organization. It's what are they doing with the software to help drive their business forward? Yeah, I mean, honestly, I, I think about all the ways just that I individually use technology and then at work. I can't imagine a world without it. I, I can't believe we yeah. used to function 
without it. And, and I think back, like, for example, during the pandemic, the fact that the world kept moving and right. that was because of technology. If that would have happened 15 years before that, I can't imagine how different the outcome would have been. Right, exactly. And, and even 15, I mean, give it 10 years before that, right? Just think of where Zoom was and then teams like catapulted, you know, to the forefront. That that didn't exist, you know, a few years prior. We were on Skype and uh, WebEx, um, you know, as platforms. And you just see the leap in tech uh, over the last couple of years. It was just, you know, to your point, you know, what we were able to still continue to do as a, as a organization, as a society was pretty crazy, pretty crazy. Yeah. And where I'm at, we're still home office and none of us really want to go back because we don't have the commute. We don't have any of those problems. So quality of life has gone up considerably. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I definitely think the quality of life of the commutes going down into the city, you know, I save myself three hours a day in that. At the same time, there is something to be said about that that office atmosphere that I think um, as a somebody that's been around in the business for a long time, we're used to, right? You're used to that office. But I don't think the younger generation that are coming out of college understands that value that they're missing today from, you know, the water cooler conversation, you know, being around when a project is kicking off, that atmosphere of people, um, that you just kind of learn and, and you're at the right place at the right time for recognition. Um, so, you know, I think there'll be a gradual bring back um, to the office. More people will be there um, in, you know, in the next several years and there'll be a better balance there. Yeah, I, I totally agree with you because so many great ideas don't happen in the conference room. Like you said, they happened at the water cooler or somebody stopped by your cubicle and you're you're talking yeah. about a problem that you would have. And together, suddenly that light bulb goes off. And if you're only talking in Zoom meetings, the odds that that's going to happen go down dramatically. Yeah, because the Zoom meetings are purposeful, right? The Teams meetings are purposeful. You don't just randomly call somebody go hey do you got two minutes you know right where if you're sitting at your desk you know somebody walks by they're like hey i've been meaning to ask you something or what do you think about this thing um i, I think there's a bit of that that's um you know that is missing today and until we figure out how to bridge that and maybe that's going to be you know web 3.0 with the virtual uh, office space and you know you're kind of immersive but time will tell yeah i like the idea of the uh the mobile you know, robot that goes to work for you. <laughs> so you can, you can still have those cubicle conversations, but it's, it's, you know, face to face on a screen. Yeah. Yeah. I saw that at CES. I can't, you know, I'm, I just, just for yeah, the, the iPad. Yeah. Yeah. I, I would, I would love to see something like that. What other challenges do you see uh, that you're facing right now as IT has moved to the forefront? Um, I think it's probably when I look around, everybody believes they're a technologist today. And I think that's great because it exposes so much capability around technology um, that in an enterprise organization, I think it's hard for us to keep up with the pace um, because there's only so many of us and there's so many of them. <laughs> 
Um, so, you know, keeping an idea of an enterprise and the security layers that you need to put on top of things and really the governance and the guidance, it's easy to find anything on the internet today and download a free trial of it. But where is your data going? Who owns that information in that period of time? So it's probably the, the most challenging part is, you know, enabling that uh, in our community. And yet at the same time, making sure we do have the guardrails around it um, for protecting the business data, the business information and, and the enterprise. Yeah, I, I totally agree with you. What about cost management? I, I know, you know, you with so many of these IT technologies like SaaS that you bring in from the outside, you make certain levels of commitment and then all of a sudden, uh, perhaps your sales are going down. We're in a downturn right now. How, how do you keep track of that? How do you manage those costs? Yeah, I think when we look at that, um, you, we have a process that somebody goes through in order to uh, procure different pieces of equipment or pieces of software. But those are the ones that follow the process. I think the um, the free trials that are out there or the programs that somebody individually will sign up for and then submit, you know, through uh, an expense report or things like that. I think that adds a layer of complexity. As a global organization, we may have one market in one region that selected a, a certain piece of software that is repetitive of a or duplicative of a piece of software we already have in another market in another region, right? So putting our arms around that information becomes a, a challenge to make sure that we have visibility into that. We try to ensure that we have efficiencies of, of the spend. Um, but, you know, it kind of goes to the old shadow IT that happens out there. And it's not from a IT department, but it's from our, you know, user community that are out there. Yeah. And, you know, I just speak from my own experience. I need something, some type of software. I don't necessarily go to the IT department. I go to Google. And I'm yeah. Like, right. Right. And I see, you know, oh, there's this cool little software and oh, there's a free trial. And next thing you know, I'm putting it on the company card because it works so great. And if everybody's doing that, I'm yeah. you, you can't keep track of costs. You can't keep track of your security exposure. I mean, that can be really problematic. Yeah, absolutely. And I, and I think above the cost, I believe it's a security exposure potential, right? Um, and to me, it's not just the security exposure, but where is that, that data layer? Where is that data going? Um, you know, and that adds to the security, but that's, you know, a little bit, it's not about the vulnerability side of it. It's really about the integrity side. of it. Yeah, absolutely. So what is your general opinion about SaaS? Are you, do you prefer it over on-prem or is it kind of a, a mix for you? Where are you at? Well, we're, uh, I would say that I'm very pro SaaS, um, with the right policies, procedures, guardrails, governance in, in place. I think it has been definitely, um, you know, beneficial for organizations, uh, ours specifically, when I look at, you know, the, uh, how it's helped us leapfrog in certain areas. Um, you know, again, when we talk about the pandemic, you know, much of our uh, environment was SaaS based. Um, so that gave us an, a, a, an opportunity and a benefit at that time. Um, it was easy to access from anywhere because you were pretty much set up. We do have a couple of legacy um, solutions and, you know, we turn to Citrix 
Um, and, uh, you know, while we did have our Citrix farms, we had to, you know, vastly uh, expand that during the time period in order to make sure that we could accommodate everybody during the, the remote session. So, you know, when you balance that with the SaaS, it was definitely a, an advantage. However, when we look at the exposure that SaaS brings us and we look at the, well, this is the hottest item today, and then somebody else has the next hottest item tomorrow, I think that constant reviewing you know, of the right platform, the right technology challenges many organizations today in order to keep up with it. There's yeah. always the next greatest thing out there and you know, you have to make a decision at a point in time, but you don't wanna keep pivoting, right? You wanna get that value of the investment and the training and you know, um, the subject matter expertise that you, you work to obtain. Um, you don't want to keep jumping to the next one and then you can't have five of the same platforms, right? Maybe you have two for reasons, um, but you don't want to have multiple when you, when you look at what's out there. Yeah. And then you have all your data over here and all of your staff know how to use that. And now suddenly we're going to migrate. You've got a training expense. You've got all of that going on. Uh, it can yeah. be quite the process to, you know, relocate to a different, to a different platform. So I can totally understand why you'd want to minimize that if at, at all possible. Yeah. There's a lot of effort that we go through in order to really expose the, um, the different solutions out there and work with the, the teams. Some of them have been on these platforms for a while. Uh, and so you need to understand why, what it, what's unique about that particular platform. And is that one that you migrate things to, or do you need to look at migrating things from, or does it just become one of the alternatives, right? We try to have a primary and then a secondary, especially, you know, global organization. Um, and I would say the primary, we want to try to keep like, you know, 80, 90% of the use cases on that primary. Um, but there's always going to be, you know, this outside use case that a certain product uh, can deliver for you. Yeah. Again, those are the ones that we know of. <laughs> right. I, I've seen in the past, and I think this is getting better, where IT is not necessarily in touch with what's happening on the front lines. And so the front line is asking for a certain solution. IT thinks that they know better. How do you how do you go about bridging those gaps and making sure that that, that you're providing as an IT at an IT level what your frontline employees need? Yeah, it's a really it's a combination. I think it's a lot of work my team has done over the years to become a partner with the business so that they turn to us when they have a, a software need or if they want to do a review, we'll partner with the um, with the department that is looking for a piece of software. You know, we'll go through an RFP process, we'll review the products that are available, we'll provide research, we'll help them scorecard it. So we've done that enough times to sort of build up that trust that it's not the, you know, IT department of no, or, you know, we're the IT department to help enable and find the right solutions within, within the boundaries. So, you know, first and foremost, that's been our approach that we've taken over multiple years. I think the, the second part is really the conversation and collaboration with our um, CFO community. Um, so, you know, we do partner with the CFO uh, community out there, have, uh, you know, educational conversations. 
so that when they're seeing in their local market or their agency request, they're also reaching out and looping us into the conversation, right? Um, and so it's really kind of two-pronged, a lot of education, a lot of conversation. Um, but we've moved away from saying no to being a partner with them. And then that opens up a, a better conversation and really tries to help alleviate that shadow IT action. Yeah, it's so important. I, I'm just curious about your opinion. I feel like with SaaS, initially, these companies came out with very targeted individual services and they became very good at it kind of like to me it reminds me of when cable started to go to all these streaming services but now yeah. it feels like yeah. we're kind of going back the other way and now SaaS applications they're trying to expand again is that something that you're seeing like we're moving back towards one size fits all Oh, that's interesting. You know, there's been a lot of conversation with my peers lately that we look at SaaS is becoming more suites. Um, the offerings are in, and I think that's where you're, you're, you're talking about here. Um, and they're uh, acquiring these different SaaS vendors or acquiring adjacent platforms and bringing them together and making it a, you know, a suite of an offering. So I, I do see that trend that's, you know, starting to pick up. It's, you know, it's at that momentum level now where it is becoming more noticeable of these companies that are doing that. And yeah, it's actually, you know, from a management perspective, when I look at, you know, the SaaS platforms that are out there, if you can work with a particular partner and they have multiple offerings that we can take advantage of, you have one interface that you're working with on the management side, you've done the SSO configuration, you've done the audit of their security practices. Uh, it makes it a lot easier to add another module um, right into the platform rather than going out and researching a whole other solution. Yeah, and you get to limit that exposure because your data is on one platform instead of Correct. multiple platforms. Yeah. Yeah, so I imagine that's all part of the SaaS governance policy, checking the security, whether or not the product works. How do you go about assessing the security of a particular provider? Yeah, so we have a, um, I want to say it's 52-question survey um, that, uh, yeah, it's... <laughs> being sarcastic when I say that, but it is quite extensive. Uh, and then that gets us to a certain point of an understanding of uh, the overall capabilities that they have. And then we'll sit down with their you know, head of tech or their CISO um, and go through a better understanding, you know, dig down into some of the questions um, that they have available um, about their platform. Um, and then once we go through an evaluation, they get a score. Um, and assuming that the score is high enough on our chart, then, then we'll, you know, grade it that it's acceptable to, to move in. And then is there an ongoing process? Because, you know, yeah, on a yearly basis, we, we go through a sort of a re-attestation process. Um, when we'll reach out, um, shorter survey, you know, basically, you know, have you changed anything? You know, how are you doing? You know, if we notice they have a, you know, a new module or something, you know, we'll inquire around the module. Um, if there's changes in the data law or the data that we're sharing, um, that will cause us to, to reach out and have a review um, with that SaaS vendor. Yeah, that's interesting. Have you? It'd be great to get a scorecard, though, you know? Yeah, 
Yeah, exactly. Something that automatically generates. I'm curious, have you had to say no to somebody because they didn't pass the questionnaire? Yes, we have. And not once, but multiple times. Um, We've actually even, um, because we're going back over some of the platforms that we have out there on a, again, on a global basis, we've actually moved away from vendors that we had been on for years because they didn't meet the security um, guidelines that we've set forth. Yeah. And uh, did they try and change and come back or did you just move on? No, we moved on. I think, um, you know, we had some conversations. Uh, They tried to justify, but they were not in a position that they were going to make the change that we needed them to to make in the example um, that I have, which was okay. And, um, you know, they said, look, um, this is, you know, what we have to offer. And that was it. And we're not going to make those changes. We said, okay, then, you know, we're going to leave the platform and and find another solution. Um, But I think there's enough solutions out there that, you know, that was a little bit short-sighted. Yeah, interesting. I am am curious, how do you keep track of all of the SaaS applications that are being used in your organization? Is it a spreadsheet? Do you use some sort, some form of software? How, How do you manage all of that? Yeah, so it's between ServiceNow, a spreadsheet, um, and then there's one application. I'm drawing a blank on the name. It'll come to me in a little bit. Um, but so we have a uh, three and, and the other application we used it more for GDPR compliance and things like that. And they had another module, um, that we leveraged to do this, but we've gradually moved most of it over to, um, service now. So you're not just looking at a spreadsheet and hope hopefully it's, it's all up to date. Yes, hopefully. But, you know, on a global basis, I would say, you know, we try between the um, the spend reports that we get so you can see what software or whatever people purchase. Um, you know, Ariba is a partner of ours, so, you know, we can put it through there and you can understand the categories and classifications. Um, and then just through, you know, uh, the various software platforms that go out there that we have out there that really do... Uh, you know, a sort of um, a, a scour over the network and bring back the different pieces of software um, that it discovers that are out there. And we try to go through um, that at the same time to really pare down a list uh, because it is quite extensive, the software list that you see out there. Yeah, I'll bet. And always trying to grow. And so you're always trying to kind of tamp it down a little bit. I imagine it's a constant process. Absolutely. It's a give and take the whole time. <laughs> well, very good. Well, listen, there's three questions. They're not SaaS or IT related, but we love to ask these questions just to kind of get a feel and help people out, uh, if you don't mind. The first question is, what are the top qualities that you look for when you're hiring somebody? So part of it, I would say, is the experience. It's uh, what has that um, individual been recently doing and what is in their in their history Um, coming to the table. You know, when I think about the last couple of hires this past year, um, we made in my department, we made three key hires. So it was relative experience of what um, just happened or what they were just working on and, and the role, um, whether it was an RPA or HRIS systems role that we were looking at, security role. Um, but 
the um, other component is really what is that personality to fit into the organization? So there's that knowledge base and then there's a personality base. How are they going to mix in with a, you know, media advertising organization? Um, you know, they're, you know, we're a little bit chaotic at times. Um, and I think that's also what uh, is exciting about it at other times and, you know, keeps the excitement of the, of the people going. And, um, you know, what, how do you bring that and the technology piece together um, to their leadership positions within the organization? Yeah, I always think that's the hardest part of hiring is you can see the experience and you can access that. But knowing if their personality is going to jive with the personality of the group and the overall organization, that's very hard to discover through an interview process. Yeah, yeah. And a lot of times I'll have the, the sit down coffee conversation to really get to know the person outside of just their business experience, but what do they do outside? What are their passions? What are their interests? Um, and, you know, how does that eye contact, how does that, that feeling go together? Um, and, you know, a few other people on the team interview and you kind of like say, yeah, you know, I got that same feeling from that person. And, you know, like, yeah, they're going to make it. They're, they're going to, you know, gel really well. And that makes a difference. Yeah, absolutely. Especially with so much turnover this year, right? Yeah, absolutely. I love that idea. Just the coffee, sit down, just chat and, and get to know them. I think that's a great suggestion. Uh, another question, favorite books or podcasts that you're listening to right now? Um, all right, let's see here. Favorite, uh, favorite podcast right now is um, you could have anything, just not everything. Mm. Um, and you know, I, I like that one because it makes you think about, you know, if I want to have this and this, you gotta, you know, one is going to be a trade-off for the other one, but yeah. you can have anything you want. You just can't have everything you want. And it's going through life and figuring out what that is. So I really enjoy, um, that podcast, that in the wall street journal summary every day. Those are the two that I'm uh, kind of religious about. Um, as far as a, a book, you know, I just finished reading a Clive Cussler book, uh, and then, um, the Phoenix project. So those were the two recent books that I've uh, just finished reading, which were really fascinating. My wife is a huge fan of Clive Cussler. She's read absolutely everything. <laughs> so she, you and her would get along great for sure. Oh, that's good. Yeah. It's yeah. just one of those you need to escape sometimes. And it's like, you know, it's just a good Good read. Yeah, absolutely. And final question, uh, a quote that you live by. Uh, life is short, live for today. I love it. Love it. Yeah. Well, I can tell that you uh, you absolutely have that attitude as in your approach. It definitely comes through your passion for what you do. We really appreciate your time today and sharing your expertise. I think it'll be very informational and a lot of great ideas and thoughts for people who are listening. Great. Thank you for your time. I really appreciate it and wonderful to meet you. Absolutely. Once again, I want to thank Kenneth for joining us and for sharing his experience and his insight. I hope that you got some great information and maybe some ideas about how you can better run IT and SaaS governance within your organization. My name is Jay McFarland and join us next time on SaaS Whispers.